Hello, and welcome to another episode of At Any Rate. I'm your host, Natasha Kanova, and I head JP Morgan Global Commodities Research. Uh, today, we would like to discuss uh, the oil market and our outlook uh, for the rest of the year. Um, so, as, as you know, we have been very consistent in our messaging and our uh, views that our target uh, was $90 for September. We issued a recommendation to go Long commodities in July, we believe that they were under owned, under loved, under uh, undervalued. So we believe that Brent at seventy two was a buy, and the target we had was set at ninety dollars in September. So after we reached our target uh, of ninety dollars in September, we believe that further price gains uh, will be quite uh, limited because we believe that the most bullish cues, both in macro and the micro, for the oil market have been exhausted for now. So if, uh, I would recommend. Uh, for our listeners to re-listen um, our podcast titled Into Thin Air. Um, so the target we had set up for the, for the end of the year was 86. So the target still remains in place. Um, our view is that uh, August saw the largest deficit uh, of the year, and we believe that the oil inventory draws will transition into a slight build during the final four months of the year. So accordingly, our view is that the crude backwardation should start to narrow and physical crude differentials for alternative Atlantic Basin grades should start to ease. So the arguments uh, that we were making uh, were very were following. So first of all, we believe that the macro sentiment might be close to an in, uh, inflection. So as you remember, when we made the bullish call in July, we uh, believed that uh, at that time the macro sentiment stood out for a shift from recession fears to economic soft lending. It was expressed in investors' willingness to move away from recession trades and add tactical risk. And that was the main reason behind our call to increase allocation to commodities uh, and to energy, especially so. Relative to July, investors' appetite in September was uh, significantly more uncertain about adding risk with the focus shifting to higher for longer U.S. rates and sticky inflation. Uh, at the same time, we believe that demand risks are shifting to the downside uh, with pump prices surging and seasonal travel peak now behind us. Uh, we believe that a greater share of demand in the fourth quarter of the year will be concentrated in sectors more sensitive to economic growth. Um, so at that time, we already said that we were observing some tangible slack in demand. Um, and, uh, and another um, argument we were making is that we felt that the oil positioning was very stretched. In July, it's 72 brand oil positioning was net short. Uh, by September, we believe that it was uh, becoming very, very, uh, very stretched. And finally, the rapid depletion of inventories at Cushing, in our view, was exaggerating the tightness of supplies across the rest of the country, which were uh, still above the seasonal averages. And again, as a reminder, Cushing has only 80 million barrels uh, of capacity, whether the, the rest of the country has about 600 million. So we believe that that's, you know, that the market paying too much attention and focusing on the Cushing was was misplaced. So where do we stand today? Um you know, clearly the macro sentiment has shifted with the sharp moves in the rates market. Uh, so we believe that actually the big jump two days ago in the uh, in the U.S. 10-year yield was probably precursor to what happened in the oil market yesterday. Um, so at the same time, we were flagging that there were cracks appearing in the demand. Um, but what uh, what we're observing at the moment is that with 30% move higher in gasoline prices. 40% higher diesel prices, jet fuel prices were about 50% higher. 
we felt that the oil product prices were very close to consumers' pain threshold. For example, some of the numbers we were looking at that for a U.S. worker in the first quartile of income, that's the lowest 25th percentile, it's about $740 a week, about 6% of the income would be spent today filling the tank. And that assumes a car with an average efficiency rating. So, you know, clearly drivers in the rural areas uh, have more miles to drive and some of their vehicles are not as efficient as an average efficiency rating. So this number, 6% of income could be even higher. So this is below the 9% spent last year, but it compares to 4% that was spent in 2021. So now consider a vehicle owner who lives in California when the average price of a gallon of gasoline reached $6 in September. By the end of September, and this, you know, the eye-popping prices in the in California, California accounts for 10% of the U.S. gasoline demand, and the prices there surged uh, almost 30% since June when retail gasoline prices bottomed at about $4.67. Similarly, in diesel, the 30% surge in diesel is mostly felt by construction companies, transportation businesses, and farmers, uh, increasing the cost of freight and food production. Um, about 70% of American goods are transported via semi-trucks. So, for example, an American truck driver will be spending $138 per month more in the second half of the year versus first half of 2023 to drive exactly the same amount of miles if we assume that the diesel prices stay sticky. Uh, the fuel bill for an average American farmer who plants and harvests about 450 acres will be $12,350 in the second half. That compares to about $11,500 spent in the first half of the year. So adding to the economic toll of the U.S. consumers is the resumption of student loan payments and to wind down of pandemic era savings. There are already signs that consumers have responded by cutting back on fuel consumptions, uh, looking in the U.S., uh, largely tracking gasoline prices. U.S. gasoline demand came in above our forecast in the first half of the year, expanding by about 100 kBD above last year's levels. The spike in gasoline prices in the third quarter in turn depressed gasoline demand, resulting in a counter-seasonal plunge of about 220,000 uh, barrels per day. Uh, meanwhile, signs abound that the post-pandemic travel boom appears to be fading, at least in the U.S. Um, summer season saw record numbers of travelers, but right now both budget and full-service airlines uh, are reporting sales at the lower end of expectations and below historical seasonality. We estimate U.S. jet fuel consumption declined counter-seasonally by almost 100,000 barrels per day from its peak in June of about 1.8 million barrels per day. So outside of the United States, uh, what is important is that uh, the consuming countries uh, pay in dollars for their imports, but at the same time, the wider index of, of EM currencies depreciated by almost 9% against the U.S. dollar since May. This has effectively increased the price of oil measured in domestic currencies, resulting in higher prices for petroleum products in the domestic markets uh, as costs are uh, passed on to ultimate consumers. To that extent, total crude oil imports by Pakistan, Bangladesh, and Sri Lanka declined by 15% year over year in the third quarter uh, of this year, with demand likely dropping uh, 20% or almost 100 uh, KBD over the same period. The result is that these economies, despite having a combined refining capacity of about uh, 530 KBD, only import crude accounting for one third of that, with the majority of the refining capacity sitting idle. 
Um, another development we're watching closely, it's in Africa, uh, Nigeria, gasoline demand collapsed after the new administration scrapped the costly subsidy on fuel at the end of May. Um, gasoline imports in the first quarter of this year surged to an all-time high of about 430 kbd, and they were up 16% year over year, but have since plunged by almost 50% in the third quarter as domestic tribe uh, prices tripled. Uh, while the government has announced there will be no further increases in gasoline prices, even at current prices, imports are likely to improve much. Uh, we believe that Nigeria's gasoline imports and consumption will likely contract by about 120 kbd quarter over quarter in the third quarter of the year, with year-end demand likely to face similar headwinds. Uh, what is interesting is that also in the region, oil demand in neighboring Cameroon, Benin, and Togo that relied on petrol from Nigeria has collapsed. Also developments in China. So we know that the rebound of Chinese oil demand from very depressed levels in 2022 to a record this year was a big support to both global oil consumption and oil prices so far this year. The surge came as refiners took advantage of healthy domestic refining margins, which have been bolstered by imports of cheap feedstock. Uh, with Brent oil price averaging about $80 in the first seven months of the year, China imported record volumes of crude oil, uh, with some of that uh, supply stockpiled rather than turned into gasoline and demand. By our estimate, China added about 400 KBD to inventories in the first six months of the year, or a total of about 73 million barrels. Um, so history suggests that uh, Chinese refiners are very price sensitive, and they tend to pair imports if they believe that prices have risen too fast or are too high. And so to that extent, China has opted to draw 87 million barrels of domestic crude inventories in August and September after oil prices surged. So in fact, China accounted for over 80% of the global oil draws in August. Um, so we estimate that we're using Kepler data statistics and Chinese crude stocks peaked at about 1.1 billion barrels at the end of July and currently stand at around 1, 1 billion barrels, still about 150 million barrels above the pre-COVID levels, giving buyers flexibility to further cut back purchases if needed. And that's, you know, again, we, we, we believe that they're very, very price sensitive. Um, and finally, the point on India, the deep discount enjoyed by India on its crude purchases in the first half of 2023 has turned actually into a premium since July. Additionally, India has to pay shipping, which may range between um, anywhere between $11 and $19 per barrel to transport crude from the Russian ports to India. India also has to pay insurance costs on top of that, potentially impacting India's current account deficit and growth if sustained for an extended period. So India is the world's third largest importer of oil, and it depends on imports for about 85% of it uh, of its uh, crude um, needs. So putting everything together, we believe that actually global oil stock draws have ended. Uh, so we use preliminary satellite stock observations from uh, from Platts, and uh, the numbers are showing that in the months of September. Uh, there was uh, st still some small drawdowns of crude, but the product inventories built net. Actually, if we look at uh, boss combined uh, oil inventories, actually built in September globally. Uh, similarly, within the same time frame, prompt official inventory data from Europe, Japan, Singapore, and the US show very similar patterns with uh, total commercial crude stocks drawing a little bit, but oil products building so for a net build. Um, so moving into the fourth quarter of the year, our balances assume healthy but slower demand growth. 
again, on year-over-year basis, we believe that demand should be supported by flattering base effects in both United States and China, gaining about 1.8 million barrels per day versus last year's levels. But sequentially, on quarter-over-quarter basis, we expect that normal seasonal patterns and demand will be maintained this year. And because of that, we see global oil demand actually declining by 600 kbd in the fourth quarter. Moreover, this you know the the the, the, the described the, the way I described the, uh, previously is that demand restraint from rising oil prices is is becoming visible. So that 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 should be taken taken into account as well. Um, so looking on the production side, we believe that global oil liquids production actually will grow by about seven hundred kbd sequentially, quarter over quarter in the fourth quarter, with this U.S. natural gas liquids alone contributing one third of the gain. Um, to sum it all up, our price target remains at $86 by year, and our average price for fourth quarter is, uh, stands at $85. Uh, this is Brent. Thank you uh, for joining me today. Thank you all to listening to the Commodities Edition at JP Morgan's At Any Rate podcast. We look forward to continue the conversation next week. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan Research Reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2023, JP Morgan Chase & Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on October 5th, 2023.